Good morning and welcome to your daily game face. See, now the I'm... camera's not right and we get all kinds of problems going on. Dr. Kim Landon, can you fix me? Yeah, I can fix you. I think so. Hang okay. on. Let me so come I, welcome to your daily game face. I'm Dr. Kim Landon and oh, I don't, I see myself. It's fine. Sorry for the technical problems, people. Lou and I are having a moment this morning. There's Lou. No one can see you. That's delayed. So. I know, but nobody. See, no one saw you. Okay, sorry for that, everyone. Oh, there is Lou. Lou's coming around to fix my camera because it's all my fault this morning. It's not your fault. It's always, it's always my fault. He didn't get my text. It's very hot here. Everyone's listening to the problems of us this morning. Our our our, our interesting relationship. <laughs> Who's yelling at me this morning? I'm not yelling at you. I wasn't yelling at you. Oh, wow. It wasn't a yell. Anyway, good morning. No, Welcome I didn't get your text. Let's so start this over. I'm Dr. Kim Lannon, and because uh, everyone's after my attention this morning. Lou Blasey. Well, this is not and my I'm just problem. Trying You're to... my producer I know. for my time. I know. I'm trying Therefore... to do my job, and no one's letting me. Listen, I'm, therapy for you after, okay. not during. Gotcha. <sighs> so you get me all spun up now. So you have to have a sip of my Dunkin' Donuts coconut iced coffee this morning. Coconut iced coffee. That's what I've been getting. Dunkin' now. Donuts needs to start sponsoring me. Yes. So it's 9.48. Yep. And I was running a minute behind, but you were running more behind than me. And, well, that's not necessarily true. And I love yeah. the fact that you didn't get my text and the fact that it's 75 degrees out with 100% humidity and we're supposed to hit 95 today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. It would be what like could a lovely possibly little go sweat wrong. box in here. Yeah. Yep. What? What could possibly go wrong? Oh, well, clearly a lot this morning. I'm in a great mood. I came in and, you know, flew. Flew. What? Nothing. Oh, listen. <laughs> keep your stuff inside your stuff. Base. <laughs> Stop yelling at me. <laughs> Stop yelling at me. Oh. <sighs> okay. Well, good morning. Anyway, uh, so lots to talk about. Yes. Are you going to be able to manage today? I'm perfectly fine. Okay. I don't know about that. But, yeah. okay, so first of all, what a fantastic, beautiful weekend here in New England, at yes. least up in this area. I was up in the mountains oh. with some lovely people that came to visit. I, was, I took a little vacay. Did nice. you know I was taking a little vacay? I did not. So you I took didn't contact me or anything. I didn't get your text. Off. What? I didn't get your text that you're on vacation. <laughs> well, right. you don't get a lot of my text apparently. I know. So, so I took a little vacay up to the mountains, and some people from um, Florida came up. Some big cat people that work at Big Cat Rescue, and we had a lovely weekend of of eating wonderful food and hiking and. Going to the top of Mount Washington. Oh, by the way, at the top of Mount Washington, it went from like beautiful weather to 50 mile an hour winds with like two seconds. It was really, I couldn't even stand on top of the observatory tower because I thought I was going to go flying over the mountain because <laughs> <laughs> it was quite something that, you know, that weather was well, the worst weather yep. that you can possibly get is on top of the Mount Washington. It's, did you hear what I just said? The, the Mount Washington, the Mount Washington. So okay. <laughs> that's like the Facebook. Yep. <laughs> Um, and and I was very interested in um, you know showing them and having them see the whole thing. And it was that weather that if you're you know feel like you're out in the wind, it like makes you drool. Yeah, 
<laughs> that, that it was like whipping past yep. you. So um, it was beautiful. And the, the weather up there changes so quickly. You can be 70 on the bottom of the mountain. By the time you're up to the top, it's 20 and snowing. Yep. Um, and literally the clouds rolled in and I thought, oh, this is not good. But <laughs> it was very cold. I actually had a hot chocolate. At the bottom, I was drinking iced tea. At the yep. top, I was drinking hot chocolate. Um, On previous was... shows, I used to interview the people who stayed at the observatory through the winter. Ah. And that was fun. I've always wanted to do that. I always wanted to go up for a few days. It's beautiful. It's yeah. a beautiful hike. It takes about four hours to get up if you go up Tuckerman's Ravine side, mm-hmm. and four hours to go down unless you cheat and take the van or the cog which I'm all about doing the, the down part on that because I never have enough time to go down. But um, the, the beauty... Do you know that more people die going down mountains than up mountains? Well, so this is an interesting thing. Yeah. So given the athleticism of it, because there's so many mountaineers out there, and I saw lots of people doing the Appalachian Trail or, or parts of it, and they were talking about it. But So when you go up to the top of Mount Washington... <laughs> It's a psychological endeavor for sure because I'm always very careful when we hike it, obviously, because I don't want to die. But when you go up the ravine side, right, there's right now there's still extreme skiers. So it's all still covered in that bowl of snow. And so they hike up and then they ski down and there's no stop. So that's one of the problems of of death up there is that, you know, they have avalanche, the falling, whatever. But in the summer when I have been on that mountain and in this time of year, it's people leaning over yeah. to take pictures yeah. and getting a little too close to the edge, particularly selfies. So there's a wall. I know, I'm not laughing, but there's a wall up. It's, it's an irony of, of laughter. Um, yeah. There's a wall up in the big lodge or whatever that's at the top that lists everyone who's died and how they died and whatever. And time and again it's basically i mean i sort of put tongue in cheek to it that it's leaning too far over to take the picture of the flower or the waterfall or the whatever because you don't realize that it's you know 600 700 foot drop so 6288 feet up to the top and that's a long fall down that ravine so they list do they list cause of death yes selfie um pictures or leaning too far over or you know something they yeah so it's a very dangerous mountain, you know, likened to Kilimanjaro, not quite the same in terms of altitude, but yep. it's very deadly to walk up that mountain. It's very dangerous. You can't just be a novice to go up there. Like if people go up, I've seen people climb that in the summer with me in flip-flops. Oh. Big mistake. Because yeah. once you get above the tree line, this is, you know, if you're an athlete, <laughs> you go in like the gear, you know, you've got yep. different weather jackets, you've got all the different boots, the sock changes, the food the yep. water and everything yeah so people show up in flip-flops and shorts i bet and john start brings at 80 the gear. at the bottom and 25 at the top it's quite shocking i bet john brings the gear oh well so i have i have a nice little arrangement with john he <laughs> carries a 25 pound backpack of all my stuff okay and i billy goat up the mountain and then meet him at the top. <laughs> <laughs> he's always like thanks Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, so, but um, it's a, it is a wonderful mountain. If you ever get out to the northeast, if you're not from here, or if you are from here and you've never done that and you are a mountaineer, um, it's part of the 4,000-plus-foot mountain club people. And you can, you know, people up here in New England try to get in all the 4,000-footers. I think we've only done 12. But, mm. you know, but we consistently do Mount Washington every year, or at least try to, because it is always spectacular. And did you know the thing I do at the top of a mountain every time I complete a mountain? What is your ceremony? I do a handstand at the top on the edge. 
So you're going to be up on the wall with... Face. Lewis is like, oh, what? <laughs> you, you're going to be on the wall with hands. Probably. Well, that's, yeah. you know, the joke. The running joke is yeah. that she'll be over the edge. So it always makes people that are on the top of the mountain with me when I go to do the handstand, people are like, oh, my God. I try not to get too close to the edge, especially yeah. Mount Washington. But I do do it with the vista behind. But it's my ritual of every top of a mountain that I accomplish, mm-hmm. no matter how many times I do it, I always do a handstand at the top as the as the finishing moment. Sometimes it takes an extra couple of times to yes. get the handstand to well, stay yeah. after all that hiking. It's been a while. So, <laughs> so but it's, it's very cool. So I highly recommend it. And then if you go up to the observatory, knowing that I'm a big cat person yes that marty the lovely cat that had lived there for 15 plus years had passed away mm-hmm. and they have a new baby and i think his name is nimbus i did not see him but he lives there year round and he's always up there including in the winter and they have wonderful cute little pictures of him so he's yep. the mascot of mount washington i want to spend a week up there in the winter that's what you and John can go right on up there and tent yourselves to your happiness content with fires and whatever you need to do up there. No, no fires. You're going to be inside. Oh, no. He Winds wants to, are like he wants 80 to miles camp. an hour. Camp? Oh, he wants oh, to yeah, camp. No, that's not happening. And I said, you have fun. In the winter? I'll stay in my yeah. bed and breakfast with <laughs> room service. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I'll be down at the Mount Washington. Exactly. Right yeah. at the bottom of the hill. Very yeah. famous hotel. The Creepy Shining Hotel. No, that's not the Shining Hotel. No, but it you know yeah, reminds me of the Shining because sure. yeah, the bottom of the hill you can see it. So anyway, so that was a lovely weekend, and now it's going to be nine million degrees the rest of the week here, which is fabulous because I'd rather have that than snow, and that will last for about a couple of days, and then we'll go back to twenty degrees here. Is it going to be sub sixty this weekend? Is it this weekend? The yes, it was, so we're having 90 today, yep. 80 tomorrow, something high on Friday. And then Saturday, Sunday, we're dropping back into the 60s and 50s. 50s, yeah, for a high. Of course, because it's Memorial Day. And Memorial Day is notoriously cold. It is? Yes. Mm-hmm. You, Where have you been? I'm not keeping track of such things. Well, I'm very weather dependent because of my exercise and sport activities. Yep. You know, can't go flying out into the world and, like, shorts if it's 20 okay yep anyway so um so there's the first part of my weekend and then exciting stuff because i haven't talked about this in about a month but the human baton as you know i'm Mm -hmm. part of um i'm the performance advisor to the human baton and um we're getting ready to launch our our socially distanced (laughs) not distracted which is an inside joke now but a socially distanced athlete challenge coming June 21st. If anyone listening wants to be an athlete and do the challenges, um, certainly reach out to me and I can get you the link. But mm-hmm. um, it's six weeks of challenges, one per week. You have uh, 60 seconds to do the challenge that we put out. I can't tell you what they are because yep. then that would be, you know, loading the deck. But 60 seconds to complete each week. Um, the way you do it, you have to get it in on the right, right timeline. You have to follow the guidelines to make sure it's done correctly. So for instance, if it was, you know, hollow body pull-ups, how many can you do in 60 seconds and the correct form and all the guidelines we give and so on. And what you do is you, you win points and you also win um, leadership status on the board. And then you win cash and prizes and really cool swag. Ooh. So that is in the beginning stages of getting you to 
do the athlete challenges that would get you set up to be a, um, I call it the road warrior human baton itself, you know, so you can do the drift cars, yeah. the uh, Thundercat, the, you know, the endurance horse racing, the jumping out of planes. These are all the things that actually build the athlete up to be able to do those things. But if you don't want to actually be a human baton, you can still be part of the human baton by participating this way and winning stuff. Nice. Good stuff. I like it. Can non-world-class athletes um, We're going to have, it, you can, it can be anyone from couch potato, never done a thing in your life, all the way up through um, to Olympic level, whoever wants to join. So, and, so there's an advanced level, and then there's a intermediate level. In, in terms of the six-week challenge, there's, um, you have to participate. Once you start in one level, you can't switch over to the other. So if you start in the advanced, you have to stay in the advanced. If you start in the intermediate, you can't move up. But you can stay, but your leaderboard goes with you. Um, and anybody can participate. So the socially distanced part of it is that everyone's been so locked up and not been able to connect. This is a way for us all to reconnect. It's global. It's a way to build a community that you haven't been able to do before. And then get involved in doing something bigger with the, the sport franchise of all those cool sports that I'm doing yeah. with everybody. So um, it's going to be super fun. The challenges. So I'm, I'm getting ready to film one of, my, one of my portions of the challenge guidelines for one of the, I think I'm number six. I think I'm the sixth week. And I've giggled to myself because, you know, Eric from Sweden has, you know, said, okay, this is what you're going to do. And I have to giggle because one of the things I've, he's asked me to do haven't done in two years <laughs> so i was like oh i gotta see if i can still do that so yeah. and i can so that was a good thing so if he's listening hey eric out in sweden um i i it may not be pretty right now but in a couple of weeks when i go to film it's going to be spectacular nice yeah <laughs> <laughs> if anything else the the human baton has absolutely helped me get back into even better shape than i could imagine because i'm always having to keep ahead to make sure that i you yeah. know can Don't keep look up. ridiculous. Yeah. So it's it's very inspiring for me. But again, if someone wants to um, join, um, you do not have to be an athlete of great epic proportion. You just have to be interested in having fun, connecting, watching. Um, y- even if you you know there's five thousand people on the leaderboard and you're two thousand and twelve or five thousand, it doesn't matter. It's just mm-hmm. the fact that it's super fun and. And it's a neat integrative thing to do. So it will be on our website. It will be on thb.live, T as in the human baton, <laughs> thb.live, and, and you get to sign up. But if you're interested in the link to join the challenges, certainly reach out to me either here or on my um, gamefaceconsulting.com, and I will link you in Th you part of the challenge. thb.live. thb.live, yes. Like it. Dot .live. So you can put that up for me, Lou. In your productionness of the world. Sure. <laughs> Lou's just it. staring at me. <laughs> I love it. Thanks, Lou. Thanks, Lou. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I had all these little things. Oh, and then one more housekeeping event for the week because we are coming into summer. And, and well, because of Memorial Day you here. You laugh. I already had it up. Huh? I already had it up. I oh, had it saved so in one of the good. scenes. This is why you're the rock star. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> oh, I wish pe- I, if people are watching, that's great. Oh, look at that. He's got it up. The race adventure, socially distanced athlete competition, compete to win cash and prizes. There yep. it is. Um, it is up and running. If you guys are watching, certainly you can see that and it will be fantastic. And oh my God, it's so exciting. It's so much fun. We've been working so hard on this and 
the producers that you know started We're working it. on it a long time. Well, the, yeah, the producers that started it had you know, they brought me in you know just just about a year ago, a little over a year ago, and so they've been working on it for you know from baby to concept to now but oh my god it's been in the works for a while so we're just getting <laughs> really going and it's exciting and it'll be super fun and then eventually it will get up and running with all the the big events and you guys will see the big human baton competitions and all the nice. jumping out of planes and us running around <laughs> like on boats and cars and me getting covered in dust in texas yeah <laughs> so um so, given the fact that we're going into the to the summer season, which is abnormal for the race season for running, because no one trains in the dead of summer here. Right. Well, I am going to be training in the dead of summer. I'm, God knows why I'm doing this, because, you know, because I'm crazy. Um, and this is why I'm a psychologist. But I'm getting ready to start training this coming Monday, officially. Starts the first day of Boston Marathon training for the 125th running of the Boston Marathon, which will be in person on October 11th, I think, yeah, of 2021. And I will be running for the New England Patriots Foundation again because they are my team. Mm -hmm. Although I do like the Tampa Bay Buccaneer Patriots. Oh, stop it. (laughs) Because, you know, and I do have a couple clients that have just made it after the the uh, football pro days. They went to their pro days, did very well. And then I have several clients that have recently been signed on to new teams. So now I have to spread my my allegiance to I've got too many teams. Oh, now. Really? I'm like I'm Patriots, Buccaneers. I'm seeing. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Don't want to say no, because then because then anyone <laughs> new, give away. Then, it, then it whittles down the field. So right, yeah. I've got three other teams that I have been able to. No, you have don't have to have allegiance in. to the team. You have allegiance to the player, and then know, you just root for the Patriots. Them. You don't understand. That means Sorry. I have to have multiple things going on, Lou. You know, yeah, because they all play. They're going to all play on the same day. This is what's going to happen to me. Well, the NFL plays on Sunday, yeah. But they, so. but they're going to play like when I have to be like moving my, you know. Yep. Here goes my. Sp- fall (laughs) so but it's very exciting for me because it is the 125th running will be my seventh boston marathon in a row is it full are they limiting capacity it's a limited capacity so it's twenty thousand runners on the course as opposed to what's normal uh 36 so it'll be twenty thousand runners on the course on the day it it opened up for a virtual race which last year we did the whole thing virtual um which i did and it's um, they opened up for 70,000 virtual runners, which obviously anybody can do, right? Because yep. when you sign up, you just run your, like I did last year, the 26.2 miles in your neighborhood, nine times around a five <laughs> loop. <laughs> you remember. Yep. It was very entertaining. It was a beautiful day. Um, so, but I, of course, am looking for people that want to help sponsor me because I'm going to need to raise at least $10,000. Which makes me twitch a little because I know it's the time of a pandemic sort of ending. Yeah. And people were struggling and all that stuff. And um, and I, yeah, so it's been a year and a half since I've fundraised for something for the New England Patriots. So now we're back in full swing. So I will be scrambling to do it for a good cause because it's actually a really great cause. And I give them kudos that they help roughly 20 plus charities. It's like a... Uh, a funnel through yep. charity, New England Patriots, the Myra Craft Foundation. We help, um, we pick, you know, 10 to 20 other th- charities that are worthy 
yep. um, when they submit their applications year to year, that get $10,000 plus grants or um, scholarships or donations from us to them by the, what we do and give out really cool um, things to help them out. So lots of really great community-based um, organizations that have to do with drug and alcohol rehabs, um, veterans organizations, animal causes, domestic violence, mm -hmm. um, recycling and environmental issues, women's and children's issues, uh, elderly. I mean, so we've yep. given out to great, great um, things every year and it's something it's new every year so you have to reapply you know if you're going to be a charity that wants to get our benefit from our charity you reapply there's a timeline certainly i can give everyone that link but right now it's just me running the boston marathon for the new england patriots foundation the the team for the new england patriots and um this will be my second time running for them i am very proud to run for them and um yeah, and and it will be the start of the se it will be right in sync with the start of the season too. Oh, that's right. And we yeah. will probably be, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm thinking we'll probably be into almost full capacity back into the stadium. Oh, sure. I mean, Fenway. Well, well, we weren't. We were going to be at twenty two percent. Well, I thought everything the, was. Well, that was before the mask lifting yeah. and all this stuff. But now I think we're going to go back up. Fenway's full capacity this weekend. See, yeah. you know more than me, yeah. and I should know that. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm going to sure. tune into the game just to see the full capacity. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad that they will be. So, um, so I would imagine we will be as well. But I just hate to like say, oh, we will be, and then who knows? Because yeah. it's October. Um, so it's exciting. So there's lots of things going on have happened. And How come there's so... no talk of the third wave, by the way? What? How come there's no talk of the third wave? Oh, here we go. Because I mean, we went down in the summer last year too, and I know we got the vaccines going, but it's funny. Funny. I'm just looking at Lou across the <laughs> across the abyss of my studio. <laughs> it's not an abyss. Okay, it is. A, it's a it's an abyss. Yeah. This is what kept us from COVID from each other, you know. Yes. This glass window. Um. Anyway, how was your son's graduation? By the way. Son's graduation was fine. It was another little COVID issue, but that's uh, whole oh, thing. Okay. No, was, I, was it a beautiful graduation, though? He graduated. It was He's an nice. amazing superstar. You're a very proud daddy. Yes. It was okay. nice. He had so much graduation bling. You know, all the threads and, the, you know, Phi Beta Kappa pin, and he just had a lot of stuff going on. That's cool. You know, him and his uh, baby blue Converse all-stars. I love it. <laughs> I love yeah. it. There's nothing better. There you go. Yeah. No, That's it was, awesome. It was great. And, you know, everyone's excited, and he's, you know, did very great good. and ready to move on. Excellent. Excellent. Well, congratulations to your son. Yes, thank you. That's fantastic. And you'll tell me the story of the COVID issue afterwards. It's, no, it's just a weird ceremony. Just, oh, well, cool. It was oh. weird the way they did it, but Aiden's mom told me, and it made certain sense, that they had put all this together months ago yes. before the current conditions. And right. Under the current conditions, it seemed a little much. Well, right. But they had to plan for it yeah. so they could do it so that they wouldn't have yeah. issues. And they were bluffing about the vaccine too, as I thought they were. I told, but I told you that. <laughs> did I not tell you this? Yes, you did. I told you. I said, just go. You will have no issue getting. And for in. those of you who are listening, they required two shots and a two-week buffer. Yeah. I wasn't able to pull that off. I was like a seven-day buffer as opposed to a two-week well, buffer. Well, you were. You were like you had a five-day buffer left. Yeah. I think you had like five days left. And yeah. I told Lou, I said they're not going to check, and that's not that I'm purporting for people to run out and be misbehaved yeah, but no. the bo the bottom line is you are vaccinated and you had the protection 
and you've been doing the right thing and all that stuff. So the likelihood of being an issue compared to the people that were doing things saying that they had had been right. vaccinated but hadn't. Yeah. You know, so I'm all about people being honest, obviously. But I said to Lou, hey, Lou, you've got <laughs> only a five-day window. I think you're good. And I don't want to knock UVM because they did a great job getting through this year. And yeah. they got the kids through very, very and everybody, well. you know, no big problems up there. And they got everybody through. And I was there the day Biden was elected. That was an interesting Well, UVM, so day. University of Vermont, yeah. Vermont itself, Massachusetts, and New Hampshire like we're all 70 something percent with vaccine vaccine and dropping of the numbers the northeast is the safest place according to the cdc for the guidelines right now around covid and being calm now go down south <laughs> not so much no. which i will be down there doing thb stuff and thundercatting That's at the right. end of june all so right. you know but i'm vaccinated so Whatever that means to anybody doesn't really matter, I don't think, to most people. But nonetheless. Well, so, okay, so we have to start talking about things. Okay. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Everyone's like, thank God she stopped talking about all that crap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week. Yes. There's so many things in the world to be talking about. I have, like, a list. But what I thought this week, because of what we were talking about last week, is, you know how we talk about people getting stuck and, like, that they don't move off their 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 stuck spots yeah and which is most of the time you know and, and obviously people come to me, see me because they're stuck um and most people get stuck in life with the i got, remember i've talked about the help rejecting complainers of the world like they want the help and then they complain about the help that they get because it's not you know everything's well that's impossible right. but you should try this but i don't want to do that because i can't do that like it's you know yeah so what I thought about was instead of focusing on just talking about that as the problem is really talking about the the um, the process of changing a story, changing a person's narrative, or you, for instance, or me being individuals that we can edit our story. Yeah. So the fact that when we come to the table on a daily basis and we wake up in the morning and say here's the issue going on for the day or the week or the, or the year is that if you're bought into that, and I'll go back to using addiction because such a great topic to be able to use because it's a stuck point, right? Is a person is, is dealing with the ism or the affliction of something and that's their focus all the time. And they're stuck because they're not generating or editing out their story to be something else. They've bought in and become incredibly consistent with the actual, um, negative, toxic, driving narrative right. story that they've told themselves, that they've bought into, that they've listened to another people, they've perceived a certain way, they've, you know, and we, now this, as a psychologist, this sounds probably pretty weird, but we are not, we're good reporters of our experience by and large, but we are not good, we are technically not good reporters of our story because it's our side, right? right? So so we have a very biased, you know, obvious, right? We have a very biased way of looking at our story that misses out on a lot of pieces that when you're stuck, you you are lacking those pieces to generate the the alternative. That's why you keep getting stuck is because you think that I can't, I won't, that's impossible. I've tried that. Of course that won't work because you're not going past the story you've created and yeah. the story has been reinforced and people often say, well, I can't do that. 
if you're able to consistently, this is kind of, this is like addiction or like weight loss. I, I was talking to someone over the weekend about weight loss is that when you're consistently able to gain weight and be heavy and overeat and you bought into the narrative that it's this, that, and the other thing and why, or you're, or with addiction, right? If you're consistent about that and you're good at doing that, right? Yep. Then you can be consistent about doing the other thing to be good at that. It's just changing and editing the storyline to right. go the other direction. People don't look at it like that because they get stuck in the fact that they're trapped. They can't do anything about it. That's not true. That's just a storyline that you've made that, that doesn't move you. And so, to, but that's a comfortable storyline because it absolves responsibility. If and, you don't have control over it, you're not responsible for it. People don't want to take responsibility for their outcomes. See, you're super smart because that's oh. a, that is it's true. That is really the 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 bottom line, and people get very upset. You know, if if you don't if you know because it's like, oh well, how could you say it's my fault? Well, it's not about fault or blame. It's about you don't want to take responsibility for making the change by making a different choice to edit your story right. that you've had that's led you to be where you are you know so it's it's so going to like the framework of of addiction or for you know eating for instance if you're an overeater who doesn't exercise who has been who's having obesity issues you're a person who is stressed to the nines and overusing opiates and you can't get away from it, and now you're like lost everything, right? Wh whatever the storyline is, your your storyline is getting you into that space of well, I I can't do anything about it, and if I did something about it, then I'd have to f then I have to take responsibility, right. and that's a fear of the unknown because I'd actually have to let go. And what it is is that grieving the loss of what is the storyline at the moment. It's grieving the loss of victimhood. Of, of what? Of victimhood. Yeah, you, I mean, you call it that. It's, it's, but that is giving that up. It's, it's yeah. like, oh, my God, I have to give up this storyline of I can't, I can't say that, oh, well, tomorrow I can do it. Tomorrow's a different day. This is in the way. I can't. It's all these reasons that keep you trapped because all those reasons are a story. And you're not editing the story. You're always just going with the storyline. So you never have a new page to start on, even though every day you're given one. But if you just yep. keep rewriting the same page over and over, right, it's like Groundhog Day. And this is why most addiction programs are centered in, quote, unquote, the higher power. Mm -hmm. Because, dirty little secret, the higher power is you. Right. Yeah. So if you take responsibility for yourself and you really, get, you really get yourself right in your head and say, hey, what can I do here to make this change or make something different? Because mm -hmm. no one's trapped. Right. You just perceive that you're trapped. You perceive that you're trapped because you've bought into the storyline that you've told yourself and had people and yourself reinforce and you're taking no responsibility because and it, and and it really tr and people get very mad. Yep. Which means that they're more trapped in their minds because how could you say that about me? Right. Uh you know. Well, oh, did you hear that? Don't know what that was. But I don't yeah, know I either. That. It was like that was a weird yeah. leaking of like yeah. the police are coming. <laughs> I don't know um, but people are so trapped in their storyline that it pushes their buttons, emotionally triggers them into how dare you challenge that I have any choice in this? How dare you challenge that I am doing this to myself on purpose? Well, clearly, 
it's not like that. You 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 have something that's happened. We talked about this right. last week. You know, something's happened. You become into your ism, affliction of addiction of whatever it is, or you know, eating, drinking, drugging, gambling, sex, whatever. But you are able to then stop it and then look at the stuff underneath it. And if you're changing the storyline of how you perceive something underneath it, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Right. So. Um, there's a there's a couple of really great um, colleagues out there that do similar podcasts and and I often refer back to this one can't remember her name but she has a she she talks about a sto- uh, a letter that she got from a person a woman and it was fascinating because um, the woman writes this letter to her and says you know I I've been married for ten years my my life has been amazing but two years ago my sex life stopped. Um, it's been really rough. And then last night I um, overheard my husband talking on the phone at 1230 in the morning uh, to a coworker very intimately. He's having he must be having an affair. I'm devastated. If I leave, um, then my children don't have an intact family. And if I stay, then I can't um, trust my husband anymore right. off of this one scenario. So mm-hmm. there's her storyline. And then on the back side of it, there's the other letter that, you know, the generated other letter of of this other person writing in and saying, um, you know, ten, uh, two years ago, my um, my father died. I was devastated. I have great loss. My wife doesn't understand because my wife's parents died when she was younger. This was someone I was really close to. I've become very um, separated from my family at home because I have this person at work that really understands me. I wish that my wife would understand me like this person understands me. And so I don't know what to do. They're a couple. Yeah. The two letters come from the same couple. Totally different storylines because... Look at where they're both coming from. She's coming from a place of, in the backside of that story in her letter also was that her father had cheated with a coworker. Oh, yeah. So she made the storyline around that. Sure. Now, whether he was having an affair or not, we don't know. Her storyline was that she had that there. And his storyline was that he had had loss and he was just finding solace, not having an affair with this woman who was able to listen to him because she understood him and she he wished for her, the other, you know, the wife. Here they are both writing their own experience, but their storyline is based in their own perception of being, you know, what am I doing here to not take responsibility? She's not asking him, like, hey, what's going on with you? She didn't care really, according to him, about him losing his father because it didn't phase her because it didn't mean the same thing. You know, she went right to he's having an affair, and he was all about, like, I need someone to support me. I need someone to love me and give me the feedback. I wish it was my wife, but it's not, so I have to go somewhere else. So in that story of those two people someone like me would come in and look at both of them and say, your storylines need to be re-edited because your storylines are based on your own experience only, which is all you have, but you're not taking responsibility to say, hey, what's going on on the other side underneath it to really look at what's, you're looking at the surface. So it's like, you're looking at using drugs. You're looking at using alcohol. You're looking at using food. Yeah. Okay. We take that away and we strip it down and everybody's letters are on the table, but now what's really underneath that that's driving it? And that's where the story gets edited. That's where you become the editor of your own story by saying, oh, I realize that 
my father was having this affair and I think that, you know, if I hear that happening over there, it could be that, but it also could be these other things, knowing that you don't jump to the conclusion because very well could be that, but just so that you don't get stuck or trapped into feeling like you can't leave, you can't stay because you're not getting all the facts or on the other side of the, the, the husband of you got to give your wife the opportunity by going to her and saying, hey, I need to edit my story by telling you that just because this happened for you, this is what's happening for me. And I need more support because I'm really struggling. So, but people don't do that. Yeah. People get stuck. But here's the thing about this. Each of those couples is going to create that story. Right. Out of this storyline. That right. is actually, may not have happened at that point, but that is actually what's going to happen. Correct. Because of the thought process and the way you react to it, you have control over the outcome. In this case, it's a negative outcome for them, but they don't understand they're controlling it. They're creating it. Mm hmm you know, both individually in their own way. And people understand this negative part of it about controlling about controlling negative outcomes. Right. They talk about it all the time. They fear about it. They talk about their friends who are creating their own negative out outcomes. They see that power, but very few people see the power of creating positive outcomes. And, and, they don't right. understand how it works the other well, way too. Well, they don't understand how it works because because they're wed to the, the yep. consistent pattern that they've been in. Consistency breeds consistency. And that's what I always say about like, you know, in athleticism, and we talked about this last week about how it's so similar, is that if you're consistently if you're consistently using a drug or you're consistently drinking and you're always drunk, you're always high, you're always eating, you're always heavy, well, that's what you're going to get. Yep. But if you're, you practice consistency doing one thing, then you can practice consistency doing another thing. It's taking a habit and making a new habit. And you don't have to let go of something 100% to start a new habit. You can just gradually move it over. Same thing with rewriting a story for yourself. Or, And it's not like... Uh, this is what CBT is based on, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is modifying your storyline essentially right. so that your thought process creates a different feeling so you have a different outcome and behavior. So if you're an overeater or no, let's not even say overeater, if you're a person who's eating for emotional reasons and you've become extremely heavy and you aren't changing habits to consistently meet the needs of a calorie deficit, for instance. Yep well, then you're still going to be heavy. You're still going to be emotionally eating for heaviness versus right. I'm going to start eating and changing my eating habit while working on the underside of the fact that I have loss or I have um, regrets or I have loneliness or I have all these other unresolved issues. Um, you know, when you're working with anything in addiction, which that is part of, um, and there's so many people with afflictions of addiction in the world, that's why I always go back to that, is that... People don't look at the underlying reasons. I can't right. tell you how many times I've had clients come in and still, I mean, just last week I had clients come in saying, I have, I have an addiction, but I'm sober now, but you have to do the work yeah. underneath. And the work is hard because you actually have to look at what brought that experience to the table. Why did, why are you, why are you a family, uh, you know, that, you know, all has the same issue. Why are right. you the family that all sits on your phone instead of connecting? Why are you the family that completely avoids each other? Why are you, the whatever it is, but nobody likes, not nobody, but so many people don't like to look at that because, well, it's scary. That makes the trap feeling feel really out of control. Right. You have to take responsibility for your part in something, and right. then people don't like to do that, especially when it comes to those particular issues. 
um, or they have to externalize it, which I've talked about many times of, it's not my fault right. that I eat, that I drink, that I do these things. It's they want the problem solved by things. outside changes. Right. And that's, uh, that's ultimately, it's exhausting and self-defeating to right. be chasing outside changes because you can't control all of those no. facets, especially other people, and expecting them to change to fix your problem exactly. is, again, exhausting and self-defeating. And, and when you t and when you have it's exhausting and self defeating and when you don't take control back for yourself and that's through responsibility of what your actions are what your thoughts are what your narrative is then then consistently this is the perfect thing for athletes right what happens you don't do well the performance right. is terrible because you've bought into whatever that storyline is and it will keep you know practice makes performance mm -hmm. Practice that's practiced negatively makes negative performance. Right. I mean, that's how the brain works. If you practice perfectly, which there is no perfect, but, you know, perfectly practicing the practice of being positive is going to get you better than not. But if you're just practicing a more consistent, healthy strategy across the board, whether it's athleticism, eating, um, social action, financial responsibility, like whatever it is, you're still going to go on the upswing because you're practicing right. it in a productive way. If your narrative is, I grew up in poverty, I grew up in uh, terrible abusive home, I did all... The reason why people end up back in that cycle is because they stay in the narrative that the family of the of the inter you know generational family has met for them, and that's why people will have those great stories of like, I got out of yeah. the you know socioeconomic status that I was in. I moved out of the projects. I became successful. I went to college. I'm the first person that did this right, because they've broken the storyline. Right? Yeah. And I've told stories to you before about like how people, you know, that I teach at the college that, you know, they'll come in and they'll have like something that ha they're late on a assignment or something. And the stories that I get are sometimes heart wrenching because it's, you know, I live with eight of my family members and they don't like that I'm going to college. So they t I've had a kid that had their paper taken from them and ripped up. Oh, my God. I've yeah. had like, yeah. from their family, you know, oh, what do you think? You're better than us. You know, so it's hard to break that storyline. So I'm compassionate and and feel empathy for the storylines that people have, but and who are trying to break them. But it's super hard when you have people around you. They're help rejecting complainers that pull you. Right. They're constantly pulling at you because they don't want you to have success. And there's a lot of people like that. And yeah. it's an externalized thing. And it's it's super hard. You have to take this and well, back to baby steps. But yes. you have to take this in baby steps. And the first step is to challenge your thoughts, to understand that everything you think and feel is not necessarily real. The woman thinking that her husband's having an affair. Very dominant thought, very much part of her story, made perfect sense to her. Right. But that was all threat generation. Right. Right? It didn't, it didn't exist at the time. And you have to learn to challenge those thoughts. Well, and, and, and so I back it up to a baby step even pre-thought, which is the trigger that created the thought, being aware. So people usually will know what their thought is yep, or they'll know their feeling, but the trigger, what is triggering it? And that's one of the best ways to start changing your narratives. What's triggering you to start thinking, to feel, to eat, to think, to feel, to drink, to think, yeah. to feel, to drug, to think, to feel, to have too much sex or whatever it is. What's the trigger? So the trigger is, and you know, it's usually poor self-esteem because someone has said something to you because someone has reinforced a pattern in you of feeling irrelevant, inferior, lacking, 
Well, she, her husband has diminished her worth. Yes. Because they haven't been close. Right. Yeah. Right. And 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 that and that hits home to the core belief system of I'm not enough. By the way, another misthought. Right. Because the fact they weren't close wasn't because she wasn't worthy. Right. But no. her storyline was right. that she wasn't worthy because in her mind she'd created that if she was worthy or her mother was worthy, her father wouldn't have had the affair with the coworker. therefore, right? So right. it all gets put together. But that's the work that you have to do underlying all these things that make you who you are in the moment, who feels stuck and mm -hmm. feels like you don't have any other choices. Um because that's what I hear that time and again. Even with my like star athletes at times, like I don't have a choice. Yep. Oh no, you have a choice. And I'll give them choices because sometimes they don't want to do the work and I'll give them 10 choices and then they're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, I didn't realize I had that <laughs> choice. Because people, you know, like if I say, like you think, take a, you know, um, a professional athlete. I'm in my head, generating a couple in my head that I know. And their storyline oftentimes is if I, if I don't play or if I don't compete, then I won't have this and this and then no one will like me or no one right. will love me and they'll be angry at me. That's this self. Right. Death of self. And that's and, there, yeah. and I think in a couple of the cases that I'm thinking of, that would be true. There would be people that would be angry at them. And, but I always put out that the choice is that you can suffer another decade and you're making millions of dollars and you have all the kudos, but you're miserable. Or you can tweak this and you have them be a little angry at you and see where their colors truly lie. And we can back it down a little bit and see how to play this out a little bit so that you have more relief and less toxicity around you and start doing that. And that's a baby step process. It's not all in or all out, but oftentimes it's about this the self-conscious shame of how it's going to impact someone else when you make the choice versus how is this going to impact me? Right at the end of the day. How does this make me feel better? How does this make me? And because you'll get the other side of that is, well, that's selfish. No, no. it's not. No. no, it's not. But we've been socialized into being told or buying into a storyline that if we do things in the service of ourselves, we're right. selfish. Whereas in psychology and positive psychology, if you don't take care of yourself first, now, that doesn't mean you neglect other people. It just means no. you've got to be clean. You've got to clean your house first before you can help clean another. But this this uh, dominance of thought that I'm worried about what other people are going to think if I do this. The important right. question is, how are you going to feel if you do this? What are you going to think if you do this? Right. And what happens is eventually once you get that set and you feel good about that, A, you start attracting the people who fit that right. personality. And B, it matters less and less what other people think. I'm exactly. good with it. I'm okay. Right. And I, and I think that um just had this conversation with one of my friends this weekend about mm -hmm. like how as time has gone on, even in my own life and without disclosing anything, I've had to come to a moment in the past 15 years where I've had, because I grew up with being, you know, told that everybody else's opinion counts more than anything else. Essentially, right. I mean, that's a, yeah paraphrase but essentially that's it but the past 15 years have been working on like not even working on it. i just let go eventually like it yeah. doesn't matter as long as you're not hurting someone else you're carrying your boundary because the most important thing is making sure at the end of the day you feel okay that you've been kind and compassionate but you haven't let other people cross over your boundaries and sacrifice your own integrity right. so they could be happy yeah i mean there's there's you know there you know especially when you're a giver in this field psychologists and psychiatrists we're givers like you know and 
and we give and give and give and people take and take and take, you know, in our own families, in our own lives, including our, you know, client base at times. But if you have really good boundaries and you set that up, you walk away from day to day going, it's at the end of the day, no one died. Mm -hmm. No one's upset. And if someone is, it's unless you did it on purpose to hurt somebody. Right. 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 It's, you know, so in living with that over years and years and years and I have clients that come in in their 60s and 70s and have not gotten to that point yet and and I often who care I'll say who cares and they'll be like what well, everybody cares I'm like not really yeah. nobody really cares and I love doing that with teenagers cuz teenagers are so much in the spotlight effect of everybody's looking at me everyone's thinking yes. about me everyone's talking about me I'm like actually nobody's doing that because everybody's doing right. exactly what you're doing yes. and no one's looking at you <laughs> right you know it's it's like nobody cares but it should be doing that in your 40s and 50s and 60s it's still that's uh, that's really hard because the storyline is is that if i do that someone will think this if i do that someone will think that well at the end of the day what do you think yep. did you feel good about what you did or didn't do did you feel good about saying no because you didn't want to do something or that you didn't have time right i mean changing the narrative changing the storyline so that you feel good about you we're such a culture of um feeling good for other people and making other people feel good to our to our detriment. And here's why you should never give up control of the narrative. Right. Is that your thoughts, this landed for me, it's everything you talk about, everything every book talks about is the same principle, but they dress it up in different language and, yep. and give it to you in different ways. For, and it, you gotta find the thing that lands for you. And for me, for some strange reason, it was the secret. It's what? Was the secret. Oh, the, the secret, yeah. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't even the book. I hated the book. It was the audio tape that, that I listened to while I was on the treadmill. Right, it's the way it's presented. But they talk about, they put it in terms of you manifest things. Yes. And, and I didn't take the meta metaphysical part of that where you leverage the universe and it starts working for you like right. this big gear. I took it on the psychological part of right. it is that what you think about, you, you drive towards. Right. Negative or positive, you drive towards it. And so you have to be careful about what you think. You have to be careful about your ne negative. You have to be careful about your dominant thought because you are going to generate that. Because if that's your dominant thought, your mind keeps looking for ways to make that happen. Right, and it doesn't loop know. Back to what it knows. It doesn't know negative and positive. Right. It just knows that's what she's thinking about. I'm going to give her that. And right. you get there somehow. Right. Because it's reinforcement. It's the it's yeah. the basis of behaviorism of Cause effect, cause effect, yep. cause effect. It's it's you do something and this is the response. You do something, this is the response. It's just a practiced, reinforced, consequential behavioral pattern that you get into. Right? So that's speaking to if I have a negative thought over and over again and you ask me to have something different, I'm not gonna let go. Right. That's a you're grieving the loss of what you know. Plus and that's we've seen huge. this we've seen this principle like I don't know if you've ever seen a car that you never knew existed. And then for weeks after that, that's all you see. see. This is the same principle. And what yes. happens is if you think negative thoughts, your mind is going to, it, it, it sifts through stimulus. Yes. And if you're thinking, if you're threat generating all the time, it's going to do nothing but show you threats. It's going right. to ignore everything else. Right. If you're opportunity-based, it's going to show you opportunities. Right. You know, you're going to find what you look for, so be careful what you're looking for. Exactly. And yeah. I think that, and I think that that's... I mean, we have the benefit of having done this work, whereas <clears throat> you can get to this place where you can manifest, and that's a great word for yeah. it. You're going to manifest 
but that and it it's, it's scary about, work. It's, it's saying too, that you have responsibility for yourself, and people like to say, "I didn't make myself this way." Well, it didn't happen to you. Some right. things happen to people, absolutely, sure. you know, abuse and things like that. But when you're talking to yourself negatively, and you're now coming into adulthood, and you can start having good self awareness because you're an abstract hypothetical reasoner and all those things, you have a way to change this narrative by manifesting something different. And the stuck point, though, Lou, is that people get stuck in the letting go of what they know because it's a loss. It's it's like a it's it's like a death. It's a self death in the ma- in yes. many people because it's this is who I am. This is who I know. I don't know this other person, and there's no guarantee. So I'd rather do this, and to get someone to jump to the other side through baby steps and sometimes full on is amazing. Because what a change. It is if someone's willing to do the work. I have I have a this huge group of women that are doing good recovery work in addiction that I've had for a few years. That mm-hmm. are they all came to me through each other, and so they're all like at little different stages in recovery from different uh, you know afflictions, and um, they all have this one shared thing is that they all were willing to do the work. Yeah. There's there's not one of them that has looked for the quick fix. They've all acknowledged that it's a loss of who they were to buy into a storyline that I said, if you stay on the course, give it a year, give it to, you know, a couple of them now are five, six years in with me. And they're yep. like, oh my God, and we always look back and say, remember when this was? And now look. And it's, if I had told them then, like this will be this way five years from now, they would never believe me because they were wed to the storyline. And we've just, we've just whittled away the story and rewritten it over here. And they can't even believe that that used to be the storyline. But the addiction recovery path comes from the addict who right. thinks that the drug is in control. Right. And the recovered addict who thinks they're in control. Right. And this is, again, giving it up to the external or taking responsibility for it. Right. Recovered addicts universally are exhibiting control. They're, they're exerting control. Right. Active addicts are universally... Out of control. They're subject to outside influences the drug exactly. or the alcohol and they or whatever feel that it is. they don't have the control right. over it because they and that's why i would say no no person in addiction wants to be in addiction right and then there's a difference so there's three things there's addiction and this is and this is life too for just for people that aren't saying oh that are saying i can't relate i'm not an addict no 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 this it's is the, every this life is, this is storyline yeah you're in your you're in your eh, you're in your crap and then you're not in your crap, and then you're recovering from your crap. Mm-hmm. Most people are either in their crap yeah. or they're in. They just stop doing the crap. Mm-hmm. But it's then where do you get the good the good stuff? Well, it's in the recovery process because you can. I'm, it's easier to to paint the picture. So if if I'm an alcoholic, and I stop using alcohol, now I'm in sobriety. Yeah, you can stay in sobriety forever just by not using something. Right. But you still have the behaviors, the thoughts, the feelings, the things that are driving your agitation, your resentments, your anger, your sabotage of self, your low self-esteem, all those things. That's part of sobriety because it's only you've only stopped doing the behavior. But the things that were driving the behavior 
wow. what's happening. So there's many people who just sit in that middle ground, yeah. more than more than not. Well, this is why but it's not it's a recovery, yeah. which is the the space of changed narrative. You've changed your story. You've edited your your weight issue. You've edited your alcohol and drug issue. Your sex. Your gambling. Your low self esteem. Your anxiety. Your depression. This is across the board. You don't have to be an addict by definition this is across the board you're either in your stuff you're recovering or you're recovering and there's an in-between yeah. that's just practicing not doing the thing this is why it's not a one-step program right it's not stop taking a drug or stop drinking right it the 12 steps and a lot of that deals with dealing with all the things that led up to the addiction right right and and right and 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 the in the middle of it you can stop you, you know you can stop doing the thing and then if your story is still well i'm not doing it the same way i did before but this is how i was raised i get yep. that this is how i was raised you know it's <clears throat> often here like you know it's genetic yeah. it's it's a thyroid issue yep. it's in my genes yep. it's okay that's great yeah. It could well, be. Your hands are off the wheel. I mean, right. what that's do we do? Like, I have no responsibility yeah. for taking anything, exactly. but that's, you know, not true. You know, I have, I have, and I use this in my, in my client work. I'm, I have genes that um, have obesity. I have genes that have addiction. I have genes that have all kinds of stuff in them. Diabetes, heart disease, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't mean I still won't get them, but I'm doing everything I can to make sure with full on knowledge that, if I eat that, it could create blah, blah, blah. If I drink that, it yep. could certainly create blah, blah, blah. So I'm always mindful of that so that when I'm making a choice, I'm doing an active owned choice to keep my storyline going because I certainly could easily fall into the obesity range in my family, yep. diabetes, heart issues, alcoholism, because it's all sitting square around me all over my family. And that's for most people. This is this is why the weight loss thing for me was so important because I remember thinking, you know, I had 40 extra pounds than I have now, and I remember thinking, well, I'm of a certain age. I have the pounds. Right. I just passed it off to that. And right. then I remember uh, I remember having all kinds of back issues, and it might have had to do with the weight. I'm not really sure, but I had all these back issues, and I just said, well, I'm of a certain age. I have, I have the back issues. It just comes comes with it. And then I went in and had the back issues fixed. And it was like, okay, maybe it's not an age thing. Right. It's the way I was treating it or right. the way I wasn't treating it. Right. And when I started with the weight loss, you start to learn these skills. And then you start, the thing about weight loss that's so great is you get quantifiable return. Right. In other words, you know, you, you start, the first thing, you know, I always tell everybody the first thing is just log your food. Just find out what you're eating. Exactly. Because everybody's thought when they say weight loss, I got to lose 30 pounds. And that's so daunting. No. It's not where you start. You start with, well, let's see what we're eating. Right. Let's yeah. see How many calories am I taking? Everything. Yeah. And then that automatically gets you, you say, geez, I really don't need those calories or right. I've got to be able to do better than that. And then you get into the calorie deficit thing where you find out what you're burning and find out what you're eating. Right. And then you start gaming it and it becomes a game, but you get tangible results and you start to learn that taking control, you can take control and you'll get positive results. Well, yeah, from and, it. and I think in, in given that example, if you take control, you can take control by small little things, you know, because yeah. again, going back to the hoarding house issue that I talked about, like if you look at the whole house and have to clean it all at once, right. oh my God. Same thing with weight, same thing with addiction, right? If you're if you're looking at yourself and going, I oh, I, I eat three meals a day, I don't ever I don't know why I'm heavy. You're not eating three meals a day. 
yeah. you're eating three meals and then you're not counting the handful of M&Ms and the stack of chips yeah. and the Mountain Dew that you had but you didn't have the cake today or whatever. It's it's the mind game. But if you start little things like I'm not drinking soda anymore with sugar for, yeah. and that's going to be out for the rest of my life until further yeah. notice. I'm not going to eat anything after 8 o'clock at night unless it's water or tea. Um, I'm going to make sure that I get up and move 20 minutes a day. I'm going to make sure that I'm at a 500-calorie deficit compared to what I've burned a day. Yep. You know, and that, you know, people who sit sedentary at their jobs all day and then they don't move and then they're consuming two and 3,000 calories, well, we know a pound is how much? 3,500 calories. 3,500 calories. Mm -hmm. And if you, and, and a, a normal-range person... Males should have fifteen to eighteen hundred calories, sometimes two thousand, just depending on height and weight. You know, this is generalized. Yep. A day, and then if you're, and that's just to maintain. If you're trying to lose weight, you have to have a five hundred calorie deficit a day to lose a pound a week. So you have yep. to do the math, and people have to educate themselves to know how to take control over themselves. Because if you don't know how much calorie you're putting in, that and and right. for people who are overeaters, or emotional eaters, or binge eaters. You have to know how many calories you're really taking in so that you can look at calories burned a day minus calories right. taken in. So you have 500 calorie deficit or more. Yeah. Um, and, and people so you don't start, realize that. You start finding all your areas of control. You can not eat this and eat something else instead and save 200 calories. Right. Or you can go out for the walk and burn 250 calories. Right. And so I used to describe to people all the time, they asked about diet and things like that, and I guess, I just didn't eat, eat stupid 100% of the time. Well, yeah, and and so just by the, but what you just said is like, I didn't eat stupid 100% of the time. You changed your narrative from what you had before. You edited your story. Yeah. And that's the that's the premise of the 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 main piece yeah. of the show today. My story was of a certain age. I can eat story. that. Yeah, I'm of a I'm of a certain age. There's nothing I can do. I can eat that. Right. That was my story. And so you revamped your story yeah. to just don't eat stupid 100 percent of the time. Just don't eat stupid 100 percent of the time. And I think you did other you did other editing to your story too. Oh that, sure, clearly. But that's where you you got into that mode. And that's and that's the perfect point of the show today is that you have made a change, like many people make changes in, in my life in terms of my client base and, and friends around me is that, and I'm always telling people, you gotta change your story. If you're always doing the same thing over and over again and you're getting the same result, definition of insanity, <laughs> right? You're going to have that. Well, you can still, you can, if you can be consistent in doing all that negative stuff, you can be consistent right. in doing the other good stuff. 21 if days to be, make a habit, if right? If you can be an addict, you can be in recovery. If mm -hmm. you can be overweight, you can be right on point if you can be uh, uh over exerciser you can be you you take your narrative and you have to shift it and everyone's going to have a little different shift because you have to look at what's going on but it's it's um taking responsibility to change your storyline yeah you are the editor of your own story well. and i think money and weight are two great places to start because you get quantifiable results early right. and you start to get a positive momentum and it teaches you the skills to do this with everything that if i do good things if i watch my narrative if i keep right. my focus where it's supposed to be right good things are going to happen it's like right. i remember doing um, mint i don't know how many people have heard of mint online you link up all your bank accounts yeah keeps track of all your transactions tells yes. you where you're spending money accountability right. just like the food Right. And it's like, I spend how much a month at Dunkin' Donuts? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just find ways, and then you just put a couple bucks together. That's what I'm telling my daughter. 
just commit to putting a hundred bucks a week away. Well, and that's part, of, and that's part of changing your narrative. If yeah. you know how much money you spend a week, and then, or if you do, so first of all, if you don't know how much money you spend a week, and you're always saying, "I don't have money to do that," I don't have money to do that, but you're always going out for dinner, and you're always going out yeah. for lunch, and you're buying coffees and all this stuff, and then you realize, well, and I and I do this with clients, and I say, "How much money did you spend at Dunkin' Donuts this week, or how much money did you spend at Starbucks, and how many times did you go through the drive-through, and how many times did you go out to yep. eat?" And let's add it up, and they do, and they're like, "Oh." Yeah. And it's still interesting because there's some people that I've done that with and it doesn't change them and they still are the help rejecting complainer. Like, yeah. yeah, but that doesn't matter. That's not the thing. Well, you're complaining. You don't have money. Yeah. But yeah, look at the money. But you got people stressing about living paycheck to paycheck right. and how stressful that is. And then you get at a certain point, you put a couple months away. You've got money in the bank and your, your whole life changes. Your whole narrative changes. Everything changes. Because so, you have a certain level, of, that stress is gone, and you can make good decisions, right. and you're not panicking all the time. And, well, and I liken this, so what we're just talking about, like all the different examples, is I liken it to keeping it in the storyline that when people don't move on this, their story's not editing because they have writer's block. Yeah. Right? It's, yep. If you've ever want, gone to write a paper or write a book or whatever, you know, like we've done, right? And all of a sudden, you're looking at the paper like, yeah. huh. <laughs> It's the same thing that happens to people who want to make a change but don't know how. They get writer's block. They, they don't know how to edit their story, but they actually do. It's the fear of jumping into changing the storyline. It's like, I have to change the plot. I have to change the protagonist in this. I have to change the antagonist in this. What am I looking It's like writing a story. I think it's largely, I don't want to accept responsibility. It's, for this well, outcome. at the end of the day, it's it's taking responsibility for yourself. Sure. And then what happens is when you do this a little bit and you start to get some positive results, you understand the benefits of taking control. And then right. you start to build momentum on that. Right. Well, and, and I think that's where you get a lot of backlash. And you've done enough shows. And certainly I teach about this with my, my uh, class all the time and, you know, the addiction counselors that I teach and everything. And with my clients is that when a person has to take responsibility, then it also implies that they've made a choice. And people don't like to think that, they, that that's a choice, that right. it's just happening to them. Right. It's like, no. Like, addiction is genetic. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but once you... Once you've taken something, everything after that is a choice. Yeah. It's now, do you need help with the choice? Sure. Do you need help to have yourself resourced around support? Yes. But everything's a choice after that. It's not a choice to be an addict. It's not a choice to be an overeater or obese. It's a choice that you're making every time you put something in your mouth. It's right. a choice that you're making every time that you react. You have anger management issues. You may have anger management issues because it runs in your family and you were socially modeled that. Yep. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a choice every time you get upset to not make a different choice. And that's people, you know, it's interesting because when I first put that out there in class, I always do it in like as a big dropout to see like the controversy that yeah. comes up. It's not a choice. Well, no, but yes, it is because at the end of the day, you have to take responsibility for your story. That's a you huge, delicate point with addicts it, yes. in the whole addiction discussion. It's a, the whole choice thing is a really delicate point. Right. But the, again, active addicts don't believe there's a choice. Recovering addicts understand there's a choice. Well, yes, it, because it's about achieving in, that understanding. So there's a difference between sobriety yeah. and recovery. People who are in sobriety oftentimes will be very adamant about this isn't a choice. People in good recovery, yeah. time and again, will absolutely be on point with what I'm saying is that you have to understand that narrative is that every time you actively pick up something knowing that it's going to create this consequence, it's a choice. Right. Now, 
six and one half dozen the other with all the other words, but it's, it still comes down to, yeah, you can have a genetic link. You can have a genetic link for diabetes. If you know you have diabetes in your family and you actively eat junk and you actively gain weight or don't gain weight but still eat junk, yep. you're making choices knowing that you're setting yourself up for a problem. Your genetic predisposition isn't a choice, but how you approach it is a choice. Right. Yeah. It's the how do you, how, what's your narrative on it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so. I'm Irish, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Me too, so right? Genetic predisposition, but I, I can act on it differently. I, right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and, and so that's to the point of the whole, of the whole show using the personal experiences of both of us, right? Is that, is that it, it's, it, the t the tip from today would be that in order to get out of your writer's block and onto a different page and write a new story or write a new day to day page is that you have to look at, Hey, what is something that I can actually, um, do different today? Yep. What is something that I can say, hey, this is a different way of looking at it and not feeling threatened that I'm changing the whole thing all at once. Because if you put those things together, obviously not in life-threatening situations, you know, like think people that are really on the edge kind of thing. Sure. But when you're doing a day-to-day -day thing, this isn't going to accumulate and you're going to get a greater story outcome because you're manifesting uh, a storyline that's way healthier. Yep. That's the, that's the end. That's the end goal of the day. Anyway, the time on the clock is is over because we were having such a good time today with all of our stuff at the that's beginning. Right. <laughs> and so, anyway, so um, we rewrote the narrative during the show. We did. We we did. Yeah. Um, this is a wonderful weekend to have a good narrative story start something different. So, for Memorial Day, go into the summer months, um, you know, doing maybe something different daily and writing a story daily and not buying into the old storylines mm -hmm. um, and creating something new. But till next week, happy Memorial Day. Be safe out there. Make good choices for yourself and have a great weekend. <laughs>